Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and a man who has positivity and belief in Harry Kane's ability to score direct free kicks, it's yep. Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. <laughs> yes, I do. How many, How many, Nathan? I said, how I many? tweeted out, I said he'll score. Oh, in fact, what I did is I did it, right? Because obviously, normally you're measuring these things in, in units of fives and tens. <laughs> and I sat there with five and I was like, hmm, Ward Prowse doesn't get five as a certainty. Maybe, maybe five's too big. So I took it down. I was like, three's too few. Three doesn't sound like anything at all. So I said four or more. And then I was, uh, and then, uh, I was bet a, a shave head there, but I've spent a lot of money getting my hair to start growing back again. So I'm not, I wasn't up for that. That wasn't available to put on the line, but I might do a charity bet or something. But yeah. Can, can yeah. I ask what, um, what, what stats have you based this guess on? Is there, is there anything to back up your theory? Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, it's Vio's history of how he uses direct free kicks and okay. what we've seen so far in preseason. I was hoping you'd say no, just a gut feeling. But okay, kind of is. Enough. It kind of is a yeah. gut feeling. I mean, there isn't, I can't, I haven't arrived at four by distilling previous numbers. I've mm. gone, mm, maybe four. <laughs> <laughs> Did Basuma took a free kick? He took a free kick against Rangers, didn't he? It was a pretty good one as well. Well, don't make that up. I don't recall that. Harry Kane definitely did. (laughs) (laughs) I think I thought he took one in the second half, and um, someone clattered McGregor, who's forty years old. He's still doing all right. That guy can get. He can. He can move around the goal. He's not bad at all, is he? Mm, Feels it. We'll come on to that. Mm. So um, we're very happy to say for the next few weeks we are going to be partnered with Athletic Greens, Um, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about Athletic Greens. So they were created when the founder experienced um, a lot of gut health issues and he ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover, which cost him upwards of $100 a day. Um, so he, he started this company to, to uh, fix that problem. Uh, and there is a man amongst us who is particularly digging this product. <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, 
we're on season seven, so I've been podcasting for some time. And my wife, she's always been very supportive of, of what we do, but she's you know not that interested. It's football. Until like the other day, I told her about this partnership with Athletic Greens. And then all of a sudden, her eyes lit up and she was all, oh my God, you guys like, are a real podcast now. I mean, she's ignoring the fact that between us, we've been on BBC, Sky, BT Sport, the rest of it. But um, Athletic Greens is something she's been really curious about and always wanted to try. She's um, all about her supplements, but I, I just don't have the patience, can you believe it or not, or the discipline to do um, vitamin D, vitamin C, magnesium, omega-3, and everything else. I always forget, and I don't like taking them. I have a hard time swallowing them, and we end up arguing. So... I started AG1 because I wanted all the benefits of multivitamins, but not the pain, the hassle, and the lack of flavor. Um, I make two every day, one for me and one for her. Simple to do, and it's part of my routine now. Um, we go walk the dog, I'll go for a run, and then I'll break my fast around 9.45, 10 o'clock with AG1. It tastes good, and to be honest with you, no, no lies, I've felt good since I've started doing it. And my wife says she's sleeping better, which is good, and I'm training for the marathon, and i got to say it's helping with my recovery. I can run multiple days now. You guys know me. I eat pretty well, and I'm very, very disciplined, but I'm still not getting everything I need, and I miss out on certain things, and this keeps me tip-top. It's like um, a sun finished onto a beautiful clipped cane through ball. And then on top of that, it comes with a little dropper of vitamin D, which is much easier to get down you than doing a big vitamin D pill. So, yeah, I'm all for it. I really like it and have enjoyed taking it. There you go. Lovely, mm. lovely sales pitch off the cuff from Bardi there. Um, we will tell you more about this product over the next few weeks. Um, you know, as you can tell, we, we genuinely really like it, which is which is a good thing. Um, to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash extra inch to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Uh, another preseason win and good, and good performance from Spurs, I thought. Um, saw lots of debuts. So we saw Basuma, Perisic, Forster, Spence and Longley. What did you guys think? I, I, I found it a fairly enjoyable watch it's another fairly intense game, you know, a, a, another good test. Um, and, and yeah, we look pretty good. Yeah, certainly, certainly um, I wouldn't go so far as to say we're getting our money's worth out of Spurs play. But as pre-seasons go, um, it's it's definitely on the more entertaining side, more intense as well. So Rangers, their season starts next weekend. Next week, so a week earlier. Yeah. Yeah. So they are like... They're ready, you know. They're they're about ready, and they they gave us some trouble with their intensity. I think for um, sure uh, early on, especially. But we also matched them and beat them and won the trophy. You know, Conte's already done his job. Off he goes. <laughs> um, I I don't have Spurs play yet, so I watched it on a, a Scottish channel. I watched Rangers play, whatever their version is, and it was um, it was quite interesting to see them talk about us. And I thought, you know, being Scottish, they might go after a few of our players like Kane and everything. But they really <laughs> loved Kane. They were they did they really liked him, and um, they were very complimentary of Spurs. And you, they were talking about the huge kind of financial gap between Rangers and Spurs. There wasn't, like, in the 90s, Rangers were going out there and throwing down 15, 16 million pounds on players like Tor Andre Flo, which was a lot of money back then. But since those days, the gap between the two divisions has opened up. So they, they realised they were up against a, a conglomerate. But they were very nice, and they said some really nice things about Spurs. 
Are you not aware yeah. of the political context of Rangers and their relationship to England? I said they were really nice. I thought they were going to come after England, especially Kane, because he does like scoring against Scotland. But uh, it was interesting watching it on their channel. Uh, I thought there were some pretty good performances in there. I thought Kulusevski in particular was really looking the part. You know, he, mm. he he's... he's, he's um, this was like the first time he's well, it's the first time he started, and the yeah. first time he's really shown up uh, and looked to me fit and ready and firing. And I was really impressed with uh, his 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 running beyond the defence. And once he received the ball beyond the defence, his ability to hold off players and create space for himself. Now, I thought Rangers actually defended him quite well. You know, they they know he's going to get onto his left foot, and he nearly always does get onto his left foot and gets the shot away. But they did manage to get the blocks in quite well. Um, and, and I think that sharpness will come with, with more games, hopefully. But really, really impressive showing from him. And I just thought generally as a team, we, we kind of looked quite attuned. There was lots of counter-pressing going on. Um, particularly impressed with Sessignon's counter-pressing. That seems to have been an improvement of his, perhaps since bulking up, perhaps just since Conte's kind of got hold of him. Um, something that I didn't notice last year. But um, yeah, he, that, that was that was good. Uh, and generally, I was really pleased with the general showing. There's definitely a lot more flow to Spurs when it's the, the original kind of cast members. As yes. soon as maybe the substitutions did disrupt it, but as soon as the new guys came in, there was far more misplaced passes. Yeah, on Kulisevsky, if you look at all of the like um, dog shits, <laughs> click traffic, uh, sort of all Premier League club aggregator sites, they, and they like to do their... Their biggest time is is the transfer window because mm-hmm. that's what that's what drives the traffic and stuff. They they like to talk about oh who's got the best front three and that sort of stuff. So if, according to them, Richarlison was going to come in um, and play alongside Kane and Son. But I think if there was any consideration for that, it's thrown out the window because Kulusevski just really um, just links things together so so well. And that though, and we've said it before, we said it you know back in January. Those three players complement each other so well they just cover the board completely and everything you could want from your forwards um that that there's you don't want to you don't want to mess around with that you could bring it in 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 you know a better player than richarlison and you wouldn't want to uh change around those front three i completely agree with that they all have such rounded skill sets you know they can all they can all run in behind they can all play with their back to goal they can all find three balls uh, and that's a real, really rare thing. Obviously, they all have their their specialist abilities. So yeah. Son, absolutely exceptional running behind. Um, Kulusevski, really good at receiving deeper and then t- and, you know getting close to the box through taking his man on. Kane, incredible passing, incredible finishing. Um, but they do all have the rounded ability to do it all. Uh, and Son actually had some fantastic back to goal play in this game. Um, really nice through ball um, to, to Kane. Um, two two assists for Kane actually. Mm. Harry's uh Harry's looking pretty pretty dainty, pretty agile, pretty mm. light footed, pretty fit. Basically, is is what I'm alluding to there. And a yeah. massive contrast to this time last year, where he was involved in you know the Charlie Kane saga, mm. and um, he he started the he started the season what it must have been September, looking really out of shape and not very sharp. So it's great to have Kane ready for for August. So touching on the the sort of intensity of the game. Um, Harry Sherlock said, do you guys feel that we've chosen the preseason games carefully in order to maximise our responses to hostility? 
Obviously, the Korean tour doesn't feed into this, but Sevilla was a very feisty game. They're a pretty spiky team. And going to Ibrox was always going to be a tough one too. The final game is Roma and therefore Mourinho. It feels like this will be very similar to Sevilla. Intensity has always been vital to Conte, but not just in the way we're playing. Very much a shower thought, but I wonder if it holds some weight. What do we think? Maybe, maybe, but I think it's hard to kind of predict these things in advance and know how intense a given team is going to approach pre-season. So maybe there was some thinking along those lines, but I, I don't think that we could have predicted quite as an intense pre-season as we've seen so far. Mm, I don't think, um, well, it was the Walter Toll Cup, wasn't it? So I don't yeah. think Rangers were picked for any other reason than than that Memorial game. I don't think they've looked at it and gone, Rangers will, will, will stick the boot in, which they did. They, they had a, a centre-back who was a pretty large chap who liked a, liked a good <laughs> tackle. He, um, he did that nasty tackle on Richarlison and then he got, immediately got subbed off, which was good to see. <laughs> yeah, Richarlison saw him off. Um, <laughs> I'll ask you this one, but I, would, I do want to come back to some of the players who've caught your eye so far. Uh, Ty says, based on what we've seen in preseason thus far, do you think Conte wants to have three wing-back options for each side, with Doty being a left wing-back and Lucas a right wing-back? In this scenario, Royale stays. So right wing-back would be Spence, Lucas and Royale. Left wing-back would be Perisic, Sessegnon and Doherty. What do we think to this? There's just very little point in keeping Royale in that situation when Doherty can be third choice to both, to be the fifth man, you know, I think. Yeah, I agree. I think um, it's pointless to keep Royale. And I, I don't think Lucas should be considered as a as a right wing-back option. I just think this is a pre-season anomaly that we need bodies there. Do you? Yeah. It's not, it won't happen. He played and Doherty didn't. Yes. Is that just because it's an opportunity to experiment, though? He kind of knows what he's got with Doherty, doesn't with Lucas. Lucas was quite bad. Like, really, really, really quite bad in this game. Okay, that's definitely one to rewatch then in that case, if you feel that way. I know we felt differently about his first appearance, but... Um, I didn't feel that strongly that he was he was really good. Uh, he, he was good. Uh, so what's yeah. so we we have a bit of there's a little bit of a thing in the Discord in the um, so we have a, a, a there's a, a channel called Live Football in the Discord where people essentially are watching the game together and um, and commentating along. And every time Lucas loses the ball, someone says, thanks, Lucas. <laughs> and the, the, there, there were many thanks, Lucases said in this game, you know, just silly giveaways, one of which ended in a counterattack and was quite dangerous, which they really didn't need to. Um, just lots of sloppiness. Very, very sloppy. I mean, it's just the, the thing about Lucas is that I remember being in year seven at secondary school and there was this incredible footballer. He was he was brilliant better than everybody else in the year. And then the next year, he was still great, but not as good. And then the third year, forget about it. He wasn't even getting in the team anymore. And that's kind of what happened with Lucas. Is a couple of years ago under Mourinho, when it was just madness and nonsense, he, he looked pretty good and he, he had did. his moments. But then we signed Kulisewski, miles better. The, the level steps up. Then we signed Richarlison, it's just the level step up again. And he's just this player that's kind of, if he was in football manager, he'd be what? Attacking midfield, right, left, centre, now <laughs> wing back right and it's just it's just a little bit of everything but a lot of nothing and I, I would like him to leave so we can stop talking about him and stop triggering people I obviously my general feelings towards Lucas as a footballer and and others is has been laid pretty clear by now but I mm. I still think that there's something there in him playing a wing back to be honest <laughs> no Ugh. Oh, I just, I'm just not keen. I think his his delivery from wide is not great. He doesn't connect that well with other players around him. 
defensively, I think he can learn that. You know, I'm not too worried about the defensive side. I think that's teachable. But um, his sort of chaotic movements with the ball aren't so relevant when you're out wide, if that makes sense. So you're not like... The way he just, you know, charges forward and he'll commit one player and then someone else gets dragged out of position to close mm. him down and he just zips past them as well because he's ridiculously fast. That's not going to happen in a wide area. You're going to have one guy to beat, you beat them and then you do something with it and I don't think he's capable of doing the thing with it. Yeah. You know? He's too const- he's too constrained. He's got the touchline on his right-hand side. He doesn't. Yeah. He can't go and start doing a madness because the <laughs> crowd is there. Yeah. His... his most area, biggest area of impact is in the middle. He's like a sawed-off shotgun, and he's useless on. He's useless on the right wing. I mean, I think maybe Conte just got it into his head that he really likes converting wingers to to wing backs, and it's like a little project for him. So, mm-hmm. so fair, fair enough. Um, we'll just have to allow it. I mean, I would much rather keep hold of Emerson Royale than see Lucas Same. play a season at right wing back. I, I really have no problem with Emerson Royale at all. I think he's he's a very dedicated player. He he's yeah, he's very likable. Uh, and he's not—he's not awful. He's—he's he's kind of fine. He's kind of passable. I think mm. we improved when Royale went off and Lucas took his place. Really? Yeah, as a team. Oh my goodness! It feels okay. very strange to be uh, partnering up with Windy on this opinion and, and Nathan being the odd one out. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the other way round. It's too early for me to be like certain of this, to be confident on this. I know I sort of said last week as a joke, but I'm not saying Lucas is definitely a great, good right wing back. I'm just saying I'm seeing something there that is I haven't finished exploring, you know, and, okay. and neither has Conte, I don't think. Okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll, he'll definitely get some minutes there against Roma, won't he? It's, it's inevitable. Did any of the new boys catch your eye? Basuma. I like like the cut of his jib. I like the way he moves. Yeah. yeah, there's there's a someone's someone's doing like forty second long YouTube compilations of of, of players seeing the pitch for ten minutes and having four touches. It's it's it's, pretty, it's saving me a bit of work and some wise gap minutes, right? But mm. there's just not a ton. There's just not a ton to see. Basuma got the most touches in that game and yeah, he, he turns with the ball, which kind of separates him from the other midfielders in the squad, right? Sure. Uh what Spence did was good, what Perisic did was good, what Longley did was good, but there's just so little to take away from that, you know. Spence did one incredible uh, saving block, which yep. was just pure legs and understanding. That was great. And then Romero, who's just something oh, else. Yeah. He just wandered out of defence with it. He was, once again, he's incredible. Yeah, he's going to be a lot of fun this season. What a player. Talk about intensity for a pre-season friendly. Romero diving in, just throwing his body into a challenge to make to get a block on a shot in a, in a, in a friendly. That's... I mean, it's probably not the best thing for your ligaments long term, but... <laughs> he just can't help himself, yeah. can he? He's just so competitive. Uh, I I really, really liked Perisic's ability to get separation. Mm-hmm. It was just immediately obvious, and you just can see there will be so many crosses coming in from that side all season. Um, I liked Forster's distribution. I thought that was actually notably quite okay. He's a and big chap. He's, he's a big guy, Forster. He's a, <laughs> he's a man mountain, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, and and Longley, I thought, used the ball pretty well as well. Yeah, um, all in all, we, I think we can be very happy with all the new signings and the way they kind of acclimatise themselves. Is anyone disappointed? It's too it's too early to be disappointed, really, isn't it? Yeah. Richarlison looked really good as well. You know, yeah. just I mean, the thing is, he does love to to tease that the ball is there to win and then just nick it away from the defender, and so he ends up on the floor a lot on halfway, and that's really useful when you're in a team that needs to kind of gain yards. 
But when you're in a counter-attacking team like Spurs, it's probably a bit less useful. You actually want to run through with the ball, not be taken down. So that, I think, is something to keep an eye on. Yes, but now we are a team with a set-piece coach. So I think that that sort of swings back the other way again. And also, he will be so <laughs> useful to bring on when we're like 2-1 up and needing to close out a game. Oh, the the amount of time he's capable of wasting is, is astronomical. It's it's going to be so good. He's, <laughs> Come on he's going to be our finisher. Dive, start a fight, game over, you know? <laughs> yeah. I thought Absolutely. he'd done his ankle ligaments when uh, when that big Scottish chap took him out because he did go down real, like, like L- quite Lots dramatic. of rolls. <laughs> lot, of, lot of rolls. The Brazilian roll, mate. <laughs> Very that rolling must take a lot of energy. <laughs> yeah. You absorb the energy of the challenge, you know? It's, it's a skill. Sometimes I am like, stay on your feet. You've, you're through on goal if you stay on your feet. And, yeah, That might annoy me. Like, I, I kind of agree with what Windy said. That I might be a bit annoyed sometimes that the counter could be on, but he's, he's, um, Maybe, yeah. he's fallen over. The other player who once again caught my eye, and I was not expecting this to happen this preseason, was Brian Heal. I thought he looked really, really good. He's a good player. I don't really he's, know. He's, he's very talented, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, and that inside right role is really nice for him in a lot of ways. I think he gets to to um, use both his carrying and passing ability in in a good balance. I think mm. there's a. I think that there should. There should be a place from him in this squad deputizing Kulisevsky. Um, but Quante just has this impression about his physique, which I don't don't agree with, to be honest. Um He's pretty hardy. Yeah. I'm on um I'm on something this season which I'm gonna call my Brian Hill. And okay, I, yes. I, I like that. And I think he's I think he's gonna be I think he's gonna have a breakout. I just feel it. He's gonna be good. For uh, Valencia. Yeah, Valencia. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, I, I I I agree with Nathan. I, I think there is there should be a place for him in the squad. I just think it might depend on uh, other signings we make, homegrown players, etc. Oh, etc. Sure, yeah. If we end up bringing Madison in or whatever, then then it's a different scenario. But as mm. it is, um, I'm not in a desperate position to loan him out. And this impression no, that yeah. oh, we're lo- loaning out to a you know a, pr- a Premiership side, Premiership, Jesus, I'm not my dad. <laughs> loan him out to a, a Premier League side or or some super physical side elsewhere and he'll simply by osmosis become more physical it's like that's that's not really you don't toughen up he's already like a um a top five league experience player he's not just going to toughen up through experience if he wants to become more physical then he has to do the lifting and eat the the eat the chicken right and that's something that he can do at tottenham so but maybe that's not right for him maybe the player that he is is a short nippy light player who gets found a lot like richarlison does or whatever and also the general bulk that we've brought into the squads i'm sure we can carry one hobbit with us in the squad right if we're worried about you know, general physicality is a total sum of parts or, or a set of pieces or whatever. VO will have a plan for him. So, um, he really is a hobbit with that hair as well, isn't he? He's, <laughs> he's so hobbity. Yeah. He's, he's lovely and hobbity. Um, I completely agree. I completely agree. I think, um, I've been taken aback with how impressed I am with Brian Hill in the system. Not that I didn't think he was a good player. I knew he was a good player, but I kind of just thought he'd be a bit broken post sort of being sent out on loan. Because it, it did feel quite dismissive in a way, didn't it? It kind of felt like Conte was basically done with him. That's it. He's just not his cup of tea. But then I guess the fact that he, he took him to South Korea and left and Don Belay Celso and Reggaeton behind should have been, um, mm. and probably was, a, a, a signal that actually Brian Hill is still in Conte's plans. So um so we wait we wait and see 
yeah, but I, I do like I like what I'm seeing from him. Now, one of our ex-subs, Shyman Horwitz, is running the 2022 New York City Marathon. Uh, he is supporting a charity called uh, Sharsharet, whose expertise are with young women, um, particularly Jewish women who have breast or ovarian cancer, but they do support people from other um, races, ethnicities, genders as well. Uh, we will put the sponsorship link in our show notes if you would like to support Shyman. Um, let's talk transfers again. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This seems to be the type time in the transfer window where we start need to start shifting players. We need to start actually selling some of the players who are um, less favoured. Uh, it seems like Regalon might well go this week. Tanganga possibly too. Um, what are we thinking? Do, are you concerned at all about the lack of outgoing transfers? Mm, yes and no. Yeah, I mean, I think we've spent we've spent quite a bit without having to sell anybody, which is a good thing. So it'd be quite nice to start recouping that, so then we can make a big push for somebody if it is Madison. Um, who's Reggion going to? I, I haven't heard this on my ITKs. Valencia, I think. Okay, he's he was linked to back to Sevilla. Oh, was it Sevilla? Sorry, he's, sorry. So he's linked back to Sevilla, but Sevilla need to sell Jusquinde before you know to raise funds. But then that whole transfer situation is a real mess where more, three different parties are claiming three um, completely opposite things. So I don't know what's going on with that. Um, I am at the time of recording, Sunday, uh, the twenty fourth evening time. I'm not worried about outgoings but if you don't listen to this podcast until tuesday <laughs> wednesday <laughs> then i might be starting to get a little worried if no one else has gone by then um yeah what oh, we have a we have a bot we have a bot that updates um there are currently 39 days remaining in the transfer window so as we as we get sub 30 and we've still got ndombele la celso regulon um all of the rest of the gang <laughs> winks. Oh fucking hell! <laughs> um, <laughs> then, then it's it's a lot of work to get done in a short amount of time. Now, obviously, the the clubs that we're looking at are the type who used to do who do things the way we used to, which is to get half of our business done on deadline day. Um, but I don't know. That just feels like a lot of work for two or three members of staff because it has to be like it has to be finalized and signed off by Paratici, Levy, maybe two others have that that level of 
of uh finality right so uh i don't know i'm uh i'm talking myself into getting a little worried about it now <laughs> to be honest so i just checked and yes it is sevilla who will be linked with regalon okay. but also barcelona more recently as well have been linked with him that's funny uh, which would be interesting former real player yeah, yeah. the two two other um uh rumors that have come up this week Harvey White being linked with Swansea on loan and Troy Parrott being linked with various uh, championship clubs. Obviously, he didn't play against Rangers, which implies to me that he probably will be going out on loan very shortly. And the latest club interested in him that I think is interesting is Preston North End, who play a 3-4-1-2, a very attacking 3-4-1-2, a very gung-ho 3-4-1-2. And I really like the idea of him having a strike partner. He's the kind of player that needs someone to play with, I think. Okay. And I think that suits him really, really nicely. So I'd be quite happy with that one. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's quite, a, it's quite a tactic for, um, for a championship team. White, yeah. I'd, I'm keen to see go out and loan. Um, Para, I don't know. I Yeah, probably. Probably with Richarlison in. I think that it's a close call on whether he should stay in the squad or not. I think that there could be minutes for him next season, but I agree. But obviously, Richarlison's going to eat up any. You know, he has to come on the pitch after Richarlison does in in basically mm-hmm. any circumstances, right? So and realistically, reason, after Lucas as well. Don't say that, please. Don't say that. No, he's going to be he's going to be a, a wing back <laughs> to start, isn't he? So you know, okay, um, fine, loan him out. <laughs> And Tanganga to Milan seems to be gathering pace. And maybe Roden instead or as well. Wow, both of them. Wow, that'd be very nice for Milan. Thank you very much. Did you want to say something, Barty, about Tanganga? Well, I, somebody slid into my DMs and told me it's £17 million fee agreed. Ooh. So the rumour suggests that it will be a loan with an obligation to buy and a buyback clause for Spurs. Now okay. I am I'm very much of a fan of us starting to put buyback clauses in sell players be a bit more free with selling players but get the buyback clause in there because if a player develops and becomes particularly useful in the system you're using then you should absolutely have first refusal at a reasonable price that makes a ton of sense now I don't for a second think that Tanganga will come back to be honest I think he'll go and be gone uh, but I do like this approach Agree. Plus, it also saves us having to always argue on Twitter about Tanganga versus Sanchez. <laughs> I mean, the, the the sad thing about that is I want both of them sold. It's like, I completely agree with you that they they are both not fit for purpose. But I think I still think Sanchez. I mean, did you see his back heel through ball? That was beautiful. hell. Yes, I did. Oh my goodness! Tanganga How did we not mention even, that? Tanganga doesn't even dream of those kind of passes. I don't know where that came from. It was it was the sexiest thing I've seen a centre back do in a penalty box for a long time. Big good. Dav with a chance creating um, back heel. Oh my goodness! Mm. Yeah, so I, I I agree. Sanchez needs to be replaced, but I'm happy to keep him currently as as we go out and try and fix other areas. So on Sanchez, we had a question from Sideways Sisyphus who said. In the last pod, Windy was most concerned about an injury to Dyer at central centre-back, given our centre-back backups, and that the most likely solution would be Longley or maybe Roden if he stays. Sanchez isn't viewed as a good option because he lacks the technical skills that Conte's system relies on in the position. While I agree that Longley has those skills, the recent combination of Davis's injury and Sanchez's shaky form at left centre-back makes me wonder if a viable alternative to replacing Dyer at central centre-back might be to move Romero to the middle and have Sanchez line up at right centre-back. 
Sanchez is a good defender but pretty terrible at ball progression, so a further swap of Mora for Emerson might also make sense. Thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to work out all of the scenarios that that involves. So Davies is unavailable and we don't want to bring Roden on because he's like barely ever played already. That's not going to happen. So then you're just working out which way round you want to play Longley, Romero and Davinson. And hmm. yes, I think I agree. I think that makes most sense. I still I still think we should avoid having a situation where Romero plays in the middle mm. because of his think, defensive yeah. profile. But, but that would be the best way round. I'm pretty sure. As you know, I disagree. I think the best way round would be Longley in the middle, Romero on the left, Davinson on the right. But we won't see that because... Conte's not interested in that. I just think Romero's so good at right centre-back, it's probably better keeping a, like a, a 10 out of 10 defender in a 10 out of 10 position rather than yeah. put him in a in an area where he's weaker. So you'd keep, um, yeah, you've you got to keep Romero at right centre-back. That That's his role, man. No, that was that was built for him. I agree. I really agree. Um, I think because he's so good at sort of the aggressive defending, come, being able to have the freedom to come out and um, and intercept, but also he's so good at carrying up the line as well, you know? How many times do, in, in the kind of the defensive half space, if you want to call it that, the, the you know, to the side of the wing back, he's so good at, at roaming in that area and then joining the attack. I don't think you'd want to lose that. Um, I, 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 I see what sideways Cyphus is getting at, but uh, for me, I agree with Bardi. I, I don't want to see Romero moved, really. Um, but I am slightly concerned about a dire injury and the impact that could have on us, particularly if Roden is to go. I, I like Roden. I think Roden's a perfectly fine player, but he just really hasn't played. So it's it's kind of hard for him. He he must have no momentum at all. Um, no relationships really with the other defenders other than what they've built up in training. Uh, and, and that would be really tough for him to, to come in and, and pick up the levels that Dyer's been playing at. Plus, as Nathan's just suggested, maybe he will leave before the window closes. So... I am slightly concerned about that central centre-back role still, I must admit. Nathan, what uh, are you working on video-wise right now? Got my fingers in a lot of pies, to be honest. Mm. Um, okay, so I, I did a, I did a, put up a little vote on the Discord um, because I was looking at Lucas right wing-back, I was looking at uh, Pat Matassar, um, I've been looking at set pieces, and I've been looking at, oh, Zaniolo. So we talk about Zaniolo, ask me about that afterwards. Um, and the votes come in and people want uh, Pat Matasar. So, uh, fine. Um, set pieces. Um, I voted for set pieces. Yeah, I, yeah, of course you did. Um, <laughs> the work is done. The work is out there. Um, Stuart Reed, who is um, just the guy for, for set piece analysis, has done a seven-part series on on vo <laughs> specifically right so i can't, i don't want to trade on his toes that work is done there was a piece in the athletic um as well w- windy's spoken about why we're not friends on the athletic i think before that <laughs> so and also the place that the Stuart wrote for is a place that i had a falling out with so i don't like any of the oh. outlets <laughs> that this stuff is written for but the the content i can't i can't just copy and paste right so i'm gonna look I'm going to reference that stuff. I'm going to put you in the direction of that stuff, but I don't think I can do the history of VO. But there's been enough interesting stuff in preseason now to have a glance over. Um, so I guess I guess it will be Sar coming up uh, probably this week. And Zaniolo. Uh, I've watched I've watched over ten hours of Zaniolo footage 
um, and sort of don't really have a good read on him. <laughs> He's such a weird, just jumble of skills. I mean, I, I do have a read on him. I just don't have a, a confident take on what he is and what he can do and how good he is. Apparently, the court reporting is that Conte really wants him, is actively pushing for him, wanted him at Inter. Um, I don't know. He's um, he's a dribbly boy. Um, he's built like a truck. So his dribbles um, often lean that way. So rather than having the necessary agility to just completely breeze past a player, he'll get level with a player and then just shoulder them off the ball and keep them off the ball. Um, so when he was coming through, he's like this dribbly winger guy who picks up the ball from deep and maybe holds the ball up or dribbles into a corner to get his team up the pitch or, um, just tries to, you know, do the Lucas thing. There is, there is a Lucas similarity in terms of high dribble output, low actual productivity. I think that's not completely unfair to say. Um, but maybe Zaniolo is, is, is better at making, uh, dribbling all the way through kind of thing and being a little less headless, having a little bit of an ability to get the, the pass off at the end, but not a great one. Um, and then, um, both his knees just leave the planet entirely and he misses an entire year of football, right? And then when he comes back, Mourinho is in charge of Roma and Mourinho's like, ah, this guy's tall. I'm going to play him up top, <laughs> right? Um, so playing up top he he's kind of able to do um the kind of the Lukaku thing right talking about dribbling by just holding a player off and carrying the ball at the same time that the, the, the Lukaku did a lot um at Inter especially but also outside of it and getting those things where he's not sun he's not running all the way beyond the defense um, and is through on goal on 1v1, but is able to get enough separation, enough distance, enough speeds that he can be level with the defender and get a shot off that way. And so he got a few goals um, trying to run in behind or running off, running the channels and stuff like that. Um, and that's the other element of his game is that despite being this this really, really good dribbler, this technical athletic player who has some limits in his vision, a lot of his um, chances... And also creation for others is actually more in the sort of Deli Alley manner of moving mm. smart at the far post and drifting off a centre back into the channel uh, and having that ability to get shots off. So, what player is that? Apparently, he's a wing back, according to according to the the reports. Conte wants he's like, yep, this guy who just barges through midfields, um, knocking people over, wing back. He's never sent a cross in his life into the box, wing back. <laughs> Bardi, do you I, have anything to add on Zaniolo? If I'm concerned about him and he's Italian, then I think <laughs> I think that that's a massive red flag. I like Zaniolo. I think he's got some real potential, but I'm not sure where he fits in. Like we, Nathan just spoke about him for a few minutes, and we're still unsure where he plays. I'm not sure where he plays. Not sure what he'd do for Spurs. I don't think he's better than Kulusevski, Richarlison, or Son. He's not going to play in the front three. I don't like him at wing back. I I don't know. For the sake of Zaniolo, I hope he goes maybe to Juventus, but then he's just going to get destroyed by Allegri. So I I feel for the guy. He needs to go somewhere. Plus he's like he's like a local kid. He's from he's virtually from the same place my dad was born. So I, I have a lot of time for him, but I just don't see it working for him at Spurs. Interesting. Um, so going back to set pieces briefly, we got this message from Ivan Victor. I really, I really liked this message. He said, I was listening to the Spurs show Top 10 Tottenham, a good throwback pod, and they had Danny Blanchflower's son on. He said that Danny had a throwing tactic. If he held the ball in his right hand, he'd throw to the right foot, left hand, the left foot. 
And if he held the ball in both hands, it meant laid the ball straight back to him. That's uh, that's nice. That's nice. That's that's, that's, yeah. that's a very smart system, and presumably the kind of thing we might expect from um, from Vio. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh yeah, I uh, sorry, I went and um, I watched a bunch of Brentford throw-ins because they are statistically the best by distance throwing club. And then I watched a bunch of our throw-ins from last season as a sort of a base. And I couldn't tell the difference. We seem ah. to have the same approach, but it works for them and it didn't work for us. So there are subtleties oh. there that I am just not picking up at all. Um, at least not yet. So I <laughs> I don't know. Throw-ins are a bit of a mystery to me, I think. Mm. I mean, you're not going to need the Enigma machine to break that code. Um, so, I mean, it was pretty good. Back yeah. then, I don't think yeah. they had much data analytics in the 60s. But um, yeah. I mean, if our throw-ins get better, that'd be great. Maybe I'll go back, watch the Brentford throw-ins and check which hands the ball is in before it's thrown. <laughs> and um, go back and watch some 60-61 Tottenham and, see, and check out the throw-ins. Mm-hmm. So final question. This is from Pete Hayden. So a few years ago, many commentators decried Mourinho's failure to settle on a set for players for his defensive line. At another point, the, the talk focused on how demoralising it was to adopt A-team and B-team approaches, which led to unexpected exits against weaker teams in cup competitions. Now the talk all appears to be in favour of a two-players-for-every-position approach, which means we'll have to continue continually rotate, adopt an A-slash-B-team approach, or leave talented players largely unused. It doesn't appear as though we have markedly fewer games, though Champions League versus Europa or Conference League will remain a consistently higher level. Is the optimism toward embracing a large squad a result of a different manager, different players, or just the fickleness of football punditry? And given Conte's style, is it preferable to adopt constant rotation or lean towards an A-slash-B team approach? I mean, I think that this this is more about rotating individual roles and being able to swap around. Plus, now with five substitutes, everything's everything's changed. Um, yeah, I don't think it is. I don't think there is an A or B team now. I think maybe we have sixteen players who are the the first eleven, and they'll get ro- rotated as and when necessary. That's that's very much my preference as well. I really did not like the A and B team approach. I just felt like it was it was bad for continuity. It was bad for um motivation uh it was it was bad for you know yeah essentially the b team was too weak mm. um you know you need to have a combination of a and b team players so when you're playing two games in a week you just like you say you're going to have to have a judgment call maybe son doesn't play in the premier league match that week but richarlison does and son plays in the champions league game and we're not used to that it's going to be a bit of getting it's going to take a bit of getting used to but uh, I think that's the only way you can progress in both competitions, if that is our intention. Yeah, a bit of um, pep roulette. That's what they call it. That's what you fantasy football lot call it, don't you? Indeed, indeed. And mm. um, and Liverpool have been very good at doing that. Less so with Salah, but certainly with Mane. He would he would occasionally come out of the team and then turn up in a game you wouldn't have expected him to play in. Nathan, any thoughts? Yeah, I think I think the like the quotes we've heard from Conte and, and things like that are suggesting that having a higher quality of squads allows a more fluid rotation, right? Because he can bring uh Richarlison on for Sun at sixty minutes, or he feels he can, that means um he doesn't have to well, he can do that, therefore he doesn't have to like therefore rest Sun entirely for the next game. Um and therefore keep keep the two teams separate, right? There can be a, a continuous uh, mix and match and like especially the midfield four we've spoken about the the similarity of quality across the board there is that um that we it might not be clear who the first eleven is 
um, all that kind of stuff. You know, five wing backs in the squad, mm. uh, meaning that you get a more fluid um, squad, and so you can therefore field a stronger team in your second game of the week. Exactly. Yeah, wing backs and central midfield, I think, will be uh, heavily rotated throughout the season. Um, so this week. Acast, who we use to distribute our podcast, bought a company called Podchaser. Um, I had a look at Podchaser and it looks quite a nice little platform. It allows you to leave reviews on podcasts. So please leave us a review. Um, We'll stick a link in the show notes. But if you Google Podchaser the extra inch, we will be the first result. I would be very grateful if you could leave us a nice review there. Um, I've, I've, I've been way more drunk than I expected during this pod. We're recording on a Sunday night. Uh, we don't normally record on Sunday, we normally record on Monday, and I've had wine. Uh, and that is why I've been stumbling over my words with every question, so I apologise for that. Um, but it's been lots of fun, nice way to end the weekend. And that's why you've been agreeing with me so much, we've never agreed so much. Incredible, drink more, Windy. <laughs> <laughs> you've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production, thanks to Bardi for being Italian, thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. 